Business in the Okanagan Matters. This is Law Talk with lawyers Clay Williams and Tanvir Gill from FH&P Lawyers, LLP. They talk business and take your questions at podcast at fhplawyers.com. Now, here's Clay Williams. All right, welcome to another edition of FH&P's Business Law Podcast. As usual, I'm here with Tanvir. Hello, Tanvir. Hi, Clay. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. How are you? I'm doing great. We're out looking out over all the construction of Kelowna. I can see them constructing our new high-rises, and I'm reading about all the stuff that uh, is going up, and over 40 stories is quite something, isn't it? It is, yeah. The landscape of downtown looks different from when I first moved and lived in Waterscapes, and that was one of the only high-rises, so now it looks entirely different. Well, you know what? I know they have to put all the people somewhere, but I sure like my house. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm the type of guy that's going to be moving into one of these places, but... uh, Boy, it sure seems to be good for business because business is booming, eh? It's busy. Real estate is busy as usual. So today we have a guest speaker and or a guest, I guess, not a guest speaker. We'd like to welcome Genevieve Kelm. Welcome, Genevieve. Thank you for having me. And so Genevieve is does insurance and she's with uh, Capri. Now it says Capri CMW. Why is it Capri CMW? What does that mean? Well, we merged a couple years ago, probably like three or four years ago actually now, with a firm in Vancouver, which was CMW Insurance. Their main business is property and casualty, which is our largest division at Capri CMW Insurance. And so we merged together our two firms and now we're Capri CMW. Ah, How long have you been with Capri? 12 years now. Nice. Genevieve is going to talk to us about how Uh, Life insurance in particular is such a useful product and how it interacts, I guess, overlaps is probably a better word between what Tanvir and I do as lawyers and and what you can use. Mm -hmm. I think we're always pushing. It's important to talk to an accountant, but it's also super important to look at insurance. It's definitely a piece that people don't understand um, how it can play in to assist them. Um, And I know we're going to get into this more into the show, but I have a lot of clients that as they get into their retirement ages, as they finally start talking to accountants and start looking at what is the best way to sort of put themselves into retirement, they start talking about things like estate freezes and they don't realize how insurance can play in to help out with certain things um, when it comes to estate freezes, when it talks, when they're starting to talk about tax consequences. There's so many ways that insurance plays a role um, Mm -hmm. that they just don't realize. Mm -hmm. And so they're willing to... I think it's a lot of it is funding the tax man, isn't it? It is, yeah. Funding the tax man and helping businesses to continue without disruption. And to preserve as, as much of that corporate capital as possible. I just see under your name, uh, you're called a Group Benefits Pension and Wellness Advisor. What the heck is a... <laughs> well, I think I know what group benefits are, but what's a pension and wellness advisor? Okay, so our specialty in our group benefits division is to consult companies uh, You know, across Canada. We have affiliates in the U.S. for our cross-border um, clients, but we focus on group benefits employee family assistance programs wellness and pro- wellness programs kind of ties into that as well and then we also do group retirement for for companies as well so in vancouver we have our you know pension retirement expert we all you know do advise and consult on that but we usually now bring in our group retirement specialist in out of our burnaby office that's cool so what type of businesses then are you generally helping Well, we work with all different types of businesses. I'll work with construction clients, developers, 
just really any business owner uh, that may own some assets corporately and then I might see an opportunity to give them some advice around uh, shareholder agreement funding or life insurance. If there's partners involved, that's when I would ask further questions. But yeah, typically I would say that I, I mean, when we work with so many different types of businesses, it's hard to say if there's like one in particular, mm-hmm. but where I do advise or consult more frequently with shareholder funding or life insurance strategies is with construction companies and developers. Well, well because it's Kelowna. And yeah. <laughs> it certainly seems that construction drives the, the industry here. Totally. So I, I think that's common across all the professions is, you know, most of our clients are construction clients. Yeah. This is the way it is. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that I wanted to talk about, Genevieve, is shareholders agreements. We've talked about shareholder agreements before on previous shows, and we've mm-hmm. gone into just generally what shareholder agreements are, mm-hmm. what the different sort of parts of them are, where we overlap as lawyers. But yeah. I love that this is something you do yeah. um, because we typically talk about insurance in shareholders agreements. Yeah. So what exactly is it that you're advising when it comes to shareholder agreements? If you have a business that you're looking at and we've just now, let's say we've drafted a shareholders agreement and they want to contemplate insurance for their business, but specifically for shareholders. Yeah, so usually there's a clause within the agreement that states how uh, shares will be bought back, uh, redeemed in the event of a death or a disability. And so we go through the agreement, make sure we understand the clause and, and what it's stating, but usually the life insurance provides a tool and a mechanism to buy back those shares from the deceased partner. And then if you look usually further in the agreement, there's usually a buy-sell disability component. And so usually we'll, we will look at, at funding that as well with a DI policy or even sometimes critical illness will make much more sense and be often easier to insure than the buy-sell DI. So just a bit of a primer or maybe a recap with respect to shareholders agreements, we're constantly recommending that our clients get shareholders agreements. And the reason for that is in the event of a shareholder passing away or becoming disabled, especially passing away though, the shareholders certainly want to control who they're doing business with, who's an owner. And so it's in the interest of the other shareholders to obtain the shares of the deceased. And it's in the interest of the deceased's estate in order to obtain some funds in that delicate time as well. So insurance is a no-brainer to put into place at that time. But it is interesting how often I will come across these agreements with my clients, just, you know, we're, they're my benefits clients, and then we kind of get into these discussions, and oftentimes the shareholder agreement is not funded. I mean, I just went up to see a client out of town on Monday, and they don't even have a shareholder agreement, but they've been in business for many, many years. I and assume there's multiple partners. Yeah. Yeah. And then one son's involved in the business, so it can make it a bit tricky if someone's passes or becomes disabled, how are you paying or how are you buying those funds Mm -hmm. or um, shares back? Mm -hmm. So I guess it's probably a good idea to wait until the shareholders in their 70s or 80s (laughs) before getting a life insurance (laughs) policy. Not recommended. So obviously you want to do that when you're young and healthy. Yeah, Yeah, it definitely makes it like these shareholders were in their 70s and it's very limited options in terms of what's available to them at Mm -hmm. that stage and the cost to doing so. So, um, yeah, it's definitely better to fund these arrangements or these agreements rather earlier on. 
Because they're quite cost effective yeah. when oh, yeah, they're, they're young people starting up totally. a business. It's uh, yeah. it's it's not all that much money, but uh, yeah, if you leave it too long, yeah. Tell me, is there any advantage to getting life insurance rather than just funding the repurchase of the shares from the cash flow or from retained earnings? Or taking a loan from the bank. Oh, getting a loan from the bank, you're right. Yeah, yeah. there definitely is an advantage um, because it doesn't trigger any corporate taxes. Mm. And so these, these funds will be used to buy back the shares of the deceased shareholder. Otherwise, you are dipping into corporate profits, retained earnings, or taking a loan to buy back those shares. So that's something to really think about. If you haven't funded these agreements, is where are you going to get the capital to, to buy this. out the spouse if you don't want to be in, par- you know, in partnership with the deceased spouse? Now, do you have any comments about how much insurance to get? Like, would you recommend... Uh, 100% of the estimated value or something less? Usually we go by the fair market value of the business, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if there's some significant assets held corporately, commercial properties, uh, we look at all the equipment loans, you know, leases, anything like Mm -hmm. that. And if they were to sell the business, uh, how much, you know, they would be looking at selling it for. See, it makes sense why we say talk to an accountant because a lot of people wouldn't even understand the tax incentive behind doing the insurance yeah so usually yeah we go by the fair market value of of the company and then you know based on you know the percentage okay so further to shareholders agreements often i'll be talking with my clients and i have i will have asked them about their shareholder agreement especially if i know that there's partners involved and i will ask them if it is funded with life insurance and oftentimes i'll kind of get a look that's like "Mm, not sure what you're talking about or they say no we haven't done that and so then i'll ask them well what's going to happen when you know if one of you passes do you want to be in business with your partner's spouse? Because that's where the shares will roll over to the spouse and then the spouse is technically their partner. own business partners yeah. in business. Yeah. So your, uh, your spouse seems like a, a nice guy, Tanvir. I'd, <laughs> I'd probably be in business with him. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Send him over to you and he's in, <laughs> in the doghouse. <laughs> uh, now what about uh, once the business is up and running? Uh, we often see as a key person insurance and what is that all about so sometimes the agreements uh, state key person so that's usually key person is referring to ensuring um, a key individual to that organization in the event that they pass or become disabled so yeah that's usually what that's referring to is ensuring the life or a disability policy on that key person to the organization so they either have some special skill they have the operating mind of the company exactly Mm -hmm. So that would just be a payment to the corporation. To the corporation. If a key yeah. person passes, and they yeah. could use that. Are there any restrictions on the use of that money? Uh, not really on the restrictions. It's usually to keep the business running, to keep the lights on, hire someone while they may be off, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. Okay. And so one of the things that we like to talk about on our show is we're kind of going through the life cycle of a business in the sense of incorporating and operating and going to the bank and in terms of other insurance products what are some of the other types of insurance products that uh, that you might recommend yeah okay so if if we're talking about my specialty that would be employee benefits looking at group retirement to help with obviously rewards and compensation for employees and to attract and retain but for just business insurance in general you want you know general liability again this isn't my department but 
general liability, business property, director's insurance, cyber insurance is a big one that's come up of late that we could definitely provide information on. We could do a whole show on cyber insurance. Yeah, you could. Cyber insurance covering things like when law firms are getting hacked and held for ransom. Because that's a thing right now. That is a thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's something else. So (laughs) ransomware, but also just, uh, you know, I've just recently come across a case where a client was defrauded Mm -hmm. because they took over the bookkeeper's computer and read all the emails. Yes. That's something else to think about. We could definitely have a whole show on this. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. It's, It's really relevant, and I think... It would hit home for a lot of businesses, especially if they've experienced it themselves. And I know personally some that have locally. Yeah, it's happening a lot more. Yeah, totally. So the first time I heard about it, I was like, this is this is not normal. Like, how did this even happen? Yeah. And now it's happened a couple times. So. so another thing that is sort of coming up more so in my practice is estate freezes. So as you probably know, we are often looking at certain businesses that start transitioning. And sometimes um, we have clients that are looking into sort of their next generation and their kids taking over. So we call that transitioning the business. Um, And at that point, estate freezes are something that some are contemplating. So what's your overlap with the estate freeze and then Mm -hmm. also the tax component of that? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times Mm -hmm. when we are doing the estate freeze, it's because it's it's tax incentivized. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, we don't typically get too involved in the mechanics of the estate freeze. Obviously, mm-hmm. you leave that to the experts. Um, but where we come in would be funding that tax liability. So it'll be you know a said dollar amount, uh, which makes it really clear and easy for us because we then just you know it will be the valuation that is very clear for us to then fund with the life insurance. Mm -hmm. So something to consider in an estate freeze, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah. A lot of times I hear clients say, oh, well, we have a trust set up and there was a, you know, a freeze done. So we don't need to talk about insurance. And so I feel like that's where the um, disconnect happens, where life insurance actually complements the freeze that's happened and then what's set in the trust as well. The other thing that I just wanted to point out that insur- an insurance product is really useful is blended families mm-hmm. and um, potential wills variation actions. And really, in this case, you may be looking to try and keep some money out of the estate mm-hmm. and preserved for somebody else. If you've got, you know, say a new husband or wife and you've got kids, then uh, that's a useful way to use a life insurance product. Do you want to talk about that? How that stays out of the estate if you assign a beneficiary? Sure. Um, so anytime there is a named beneficiary, it does not form part of the estate. It's much more private and controlled. So meaning it keeps it out of the estate and it's to a said beneficiary. So the life insurance uh, can be a good tool in these situations because it helps to redistribute wealth. This can be helpful when you're trying to equalize an estate. If you have a family business and let's say that you have two kids involved in the business and two kids that aren't involved in the business, the life insurance proceeds could be directed um, left to the two kids that are not involved in the business to help then equalize that estate and make it a little bit more fair for the family. That's a great way to put it Mm -hmm. and a great way to think about using life insurance products that way. Trying to equalize when some people get a business and when some kids don't, that's a great idea. The use of life insurance would be the most cost-effective way to not disrupt the current assets of a business, um, but still making it fair to the two kids that are not involved in the business. The other reason it's the most cost-effective solution, to pay capital gains that will be due at the state level when the shares transfer. I think that legacy properties are another thing that people don't understand how insurance can play a role. 
Yeah, I think that that's like the life insurance is often overlooked in this application because people think that, oh, well, we'll just, you know, we'll just pay the tax or they don't even understand when they are going to have to pay the tax. And so a family cottage, usually the intention there is to keep it within the family and pass it down to the next generations. But as soon as it passes down to the next generations, that's a deemed disposition by CRA and they want their cut before it's going to transfer to the next generation. So capital gains are paid because it's not the principal residence and the estate will have to pay the tax at the 50% on that gain. Mm -hmm. But when you have the insurance playing in. When you have the life insurance there, that will pay the capital gain that is. So the beneficiaries won't have to sell the property yeah. in order to pay the tax. Sell the property and keep or, it in the family. You know, get a loan to pay the tax. And yeah. again, it's your least expensive option to pay the capital gains tax that will be owed. Yeah. I guess life insurance doesn't work in all these situations. I mean, you do have to qualify, don't you? Yeah, you do have to go through medical underwriting uh, in order to qualify for the life insurance. Depending on the amount, right, there'll be different requirements. Now, now, what's the difference between, I know there's qualifying and then there's being rated. What is that mm, all about? Yeah, good question. Okay, so uh, when someone's rated, that just means that they're the standard premium that was quoted based on their age, uh, non-smoker, smoker, male, female, um, and amount of insurance is then has gone up because uh, of medical evidence that was discovered throughout the underwriting process. Well, and what's the old joke about being rated? The good news about being rated is you have less time to pay the higher premiums. <laughs> 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 well, thank you, Genevieve. I guess that wraps up our show today. And uh, there are a lot of uses for a life insurance product. And we've touched on some of those today. Mm -hmm. I hope that it kind of gets people to start thinking through some of that stuff. Because so many, like I already said, just don't get where it plays in and how it can be beneficial and cost effective. So that was really good. FHMP lawyers are rooted in community and ready to help. Send your business law questions to podcast at fhplawyers.com.